Uh, the world's a mess, isn't it? It's a mess. Uh, I think about uh, what a, a great time of year this is at our church. Uh, a couple weeks ago, our high schoolers went over to St. George, Utah, and they had a huge time over there understanding the gospel better. And uh, our kids, the middle schoolers, are over in, uh, above Santa Barbara, and uh, they're at a camp there, and they're having a great time and um, amazing time. And then Vacation Bible School is happening this week. Uh, and why do we spend all this time and energy and money? Um, why do we do that when it comes to this? It's real simple. It's real simple because our kids need to know Jesus. Um, it's more important than anything. Uh, as we're going to talk about today, the newness of life. The newness of life that comes from Jesus. Um, this is what we should... Uh, desire for ourselves first and foremost, and then as we care about our offspring and our, the generations to come, number one thing, you know, uh, it's more important than them being financially secure. It's more important than them knowing how to read. It's more important than them getting good grades in school. Uh, it's more important than them being athletic. It's more important than everything. And so uh, this is why it's such an exciting time uh, to be a part of Bear Valley Church. But the world's a mess, isn't it? As I, if, I, if I'd ask you, like, what do you think's the worst thing that's going on in the world right now? Some of you would come up with different answers, right? You'd say, oh, war. War is the worst thing. And uh, uh, war's a bad thing. I, I haven't really experienced it personally. I've lived in uh, California, and we, you know, we don't have wars uh, for the most part in California, at least not in my lifetime. Um, thus far. And, uh, and, and we look at this and we say, well, war is a terrible thing. But the reality is, uh, that's not the most important thing to me. That's not the, my biggest problem. Some would say, well, there's other things going on economically in the world. Inflation and uh, what's going on and uh, the bubbles are bursting everywhere. And uh, others of you would say, you know, your finances are falling apart and and others of you would talk about the cost of meat and eggs. Um, I don't know about eggs because I have chickens, but um, I could complain to you about the cost of feed for my chickens. Anyways, but um, you can look at these things and you say, these are a huge problem in our world today. And I just want to tell you once again, is that the biggest problem for you? Is that the, the, really the core of the problems that you're struggling with? And I would say probably not. Uh, there's probably a bigger issue for you, and it's the issue of sin. And, and you say, sin, well, what, what kind of sins are you talking about? What, what kind of sin are you, you mentioning? And, and I would just say this, the sin that I'm talking about, the, the most important thing for us is the burning in hell, separated from God forever, paying for them eternally type of sin. That's the big issue. And you say, well, what's... What particular sins are you talking about? Let's talk about some of them. How about 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 9 and 10? They'll be up there on the screen here. It says, and, and the, there's a bunch of different uh, lists of sins here in the scripture, but these are a couple of them that I'd like to share with you. He says in verse 9, 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 9, it says, Or, or do you not know that unrighteousness will, those, uh, that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived, neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, 
nor adulterers, nor men who practice homosexuality, nor thieves, nor greedy. Notice the greedy, greed is in there, right? Some of you are going, oh, I haven't done anything thus far on that list. <laughs> Nothing's a big deal for me. I want to tell you, if you're greedy, that's not the mark of the new life. That's the mark of uh, sin that is a part of uh, bringing someone not to the kingdom of God, but uh, to uh, being able to pay for their sins forever. Not, nor the greedy, nor the drunkards, nor the revilers, nor swindlers, they will not inherit the kingdom of God. If you turn, if you look over to Galatians chapter 5, verses 19 through 21, it talks about uh, that life that is not connected to God, the life in the flesh, says this. Uh, verse 19 says, now, now the works of the flesh are evident, They're evident. You can see them. They're obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy. Did you see how jealousy was in there? You say, well, that's no big deal. Oh, yes, it it may not be a big deal to you. But to the God of the universe, the God who created you, the God of eternity, it is. Fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, division, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. And so this morning, as we go to the word of God, I just want to remind you that sin is an incredibly important issue. It's the number one issue that you need to deal with it's not, it's not something in the world that uh, is bad that's going on, something outside of teatrophy, something even in your home. The sin of your own heart, the, the sin that you're dealing with, is the number one thing that you need to deal with. And I want to tell you that uh, as you, uh, if you've dealt with that, sin is still a huge issue that you should, in the rest of your life, abandon, abandon. Uh, because of what God has done. And we're going to look at that this morning. If you turn in your Bibles to Romans chapter 6, that's where we're going to spend the the rest of our time. And uh, what a glorious passage. And I think it could be really helpful to you if uh, you understand what the Word of God says this morning. Uh, I know that many of us are struggling with sin right now. That that there's something that that bothers us, that, that we go to over and over again. And you say, well, how can I get over that? I want to tell you, I think there's some keys in this passage that will be helpful for your soul. The victory of sin and the trusting in Christ for him uh, doing the work that only he can do. If you'd stand in honor of God's word, I'd like to read to you the first 11 verses. God's word says this. This is Romans chapter 6, verses uh, 1 through 11. What shall we say then? Are, Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? By no means. How can we who have died to sin still live in it? Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? Uh, we were buried, therefore, with him in baptism into death, in order that, just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in the newness of life. For if we have been united with him 
uh, in death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in the resurrection like his. We know that the old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing uh, so that we, uh, we would no longer be enslaved to sin. <clears throat> Verse seven, uh, for the one who has died has been set free from sin. Oh, that's good news. Uh, Verse eight, now if we have died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. Uh, we know that Christ being raised from the dead will never die again. Death no longer has dominion over him. For, for the death he died, he died to sin once for all, but the life he lives, he lives to God. So, uh, so you also must consider yourself dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. God, we ask your blessing on your word. Help us to honor you as we listen and as we take it in. I pray that you would reorder our inner man even now. Uh, that we can walk in the newness of life, that we can have victory over sin, uh, that we can live the righteous life that you saved us for. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. So if you were here two weeks ago, we went over the first few verses, the first four verses in this passage. And it says, uh, it brings up this ridiculous and... uh, you know, it, it, it could seem logical to some, but it's not logical uh, that Christ died, he rose again, that we might have life, he might have life, might have freedom from sin, and that that freedom from sin would bring the Father glory because his Son did for us the changing of life, and that all that was meant to point back to him in glory, and so uh, this is what some might say is that sin doesn't matter. Sin doesn't matter. Um, in, in a way that he says, well, in verse 1, are we to continue in sin? Are we to sin more that grace may abound? And he says, by no means. It's this violent, no, by no means. This is, th- 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 no way should this happen. And he went on to talk about this idea of identification that we as God's people who are responding to the gospel, we identify with him. We are baptized in him. We identify with what? His death, burial, and resurrection. And in so identifying with that, we have what is, uh, what is found in verse 4. I, I really want to remind us that a couple weeks ago, this beautiful picture that, uh, that it says in verse 4, that because of this baptism, in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in the newness of life. And you just go, oh, that sounds so good. Instead of the deadness of sin, instead of the enslaving sinful things that we have done, uh, we now walk in the newness of life because of our identification with Jesus. And I, I want to go on, and it's kind of a reiteration or a continuing building from verses 5 through 11. And, and the first point I have for you this morning in this new, new section we haven't gone through yet is the permanent, final, freeing end of sin. And, and this idea is that, 
that this is what Christ won for us. This is our identification with him. It's permanent, final, and it's freeing us from the sin that uh, enslaved us before. As we look at it, uh, he says in verse 5, United, united. And this word united, one of the ways it's translated, one of the usages of this is the picture of grafting. Uh, How many of you farmers out there, you know, orchard people, you know about grafting? Um, My grandfather was a farmer and he loved farming. He was a a very smart farmer, but uh, he was also a very slow farmer. As he would come to our house in his latter years, he would meticulously take care of things at our house. And I remember him going to uh, and grafting into one of our apple trees another apple, a different kind of apple. And he, he would take it, and it was so fascinating as a kid, as I would watch, and he would cut the one branch, and he would find another piece, and he would bring it together, and he would explain to me how this would grow, and it would change the tree into something different. And that was so amazing to me. It didn't seem like it should work. And I pictured, uh, you know, the idea of taking one person's arm off and putting somebody else's arm on. And it just just was mind-blowing what could happen to this apple tree, that this apple tree would no longer be the same because of the graft. And, and he uses this kind of language and, you know, the, the, the analogy falls down, but you need to picture this in your mind that our being united with Christ is so, uh, at the very core of who we are, it changes us, it changes us. And I, I, w- I, want, you to, I want you to think about that, that um, your life, your life, if you are a believer in Jesus Christ, is dramatically changed because of your identification and your union with him. I know that we, um, we live in a, a great city. Um, we share in a great time. And I know many of you have moved from other places. And I want to tell you, all of us moved from other places. <laughs> it's good. It's good. Uh, we were fleeing from whatever we went, <laughs> we were from, and we flee, we ran up here, and we love it. I, I know many people have come to this church over the not just now, but like in my long history, and they come up here and they go, "Hey, I want to get involved in the community," and they drive by Bear Valley Church. They drive by Bear Valley Church, and they go, "Oh, kind of, you know, it's a big deal in the community. Hey, maybe I should go there, and maybe I can meet some people. I don't know too many people. It's kind of like uh, joining the Horseman's Club or something like that, right? I'll go to the church, and I'll meet some nice people, and maybe they'll share my political views, and maybe we'll, you know, find some people that are my people, the gun nuts and stuff like that, you know? Um, and by the way, if you are a gun nut, you can find your people here for sure. That's good preaching, huh? Yeah, that's good preaching. I should leave that and keep moving. So, uh, um, what was I talking about? I was talking about sin. Yes, sin. I want to tell you that Bear Valley Church is not a club. It's not a club. It's a, it's a group of people that have been struggling with sin. They're either sinners unredeemed, 
struggling to understand the gospel, or there are people that have been redeemed who still are seeking to walk with the Lord in righteousness. That's, that's what we are. That's all. As you look at this, we, we could think, well, it's kind of like a piece of the puzzle. It's something that I can add to my life, this relationship with Christ. And I want to tell you, it's not a piece. It is your life now because of Jesus. And we're going to look at that a little bit more. But he says united, united. It's this idea of being so intimately grafted in that it changes you forever. And, and what happens if you look in verse 5? It says, for you know we have been united with him in his death. What are we getting connected with? He already talked about this in being baptized into his death. But now he says again a different way. United with him in his death. That we shall certainly be united with him in his resurrection. A resurrection like his. Like his. And so as you think about the gospel, what are you identifying with? What are you buying into? His death, burial, resurrection. This is the picture of baptism. This is the gospel. This is what we identify with. This is what saves us, saves us. And, and as you look at this, you, you might say, well, what does it save us from? He says, we, uh, we know that the, our, our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. No longer. You get this, that the, the old life is done away with. Done away with. Now, uh, when you say death, death, how significant is death? Does it have lasting effects? Right? Um, you, you realize that, like, uh, how many of you have ever gone to the doctor? You know. Uh, by the way, and I don't want to talk about it. Um, going to get off on a rant, and I chose not to, about going to the doctor. Um, most of the time when we go to the doctor, it's, it's minor things, right? It's minor things. We say, well, I got this problem or that problem, and they say, take this and do this or change this, quit eating this. Um, and they, 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 they give you some advice, but it's not life-threatening. There are other times that it is life-threatening. And, and that, that's a different conversation, isn't it? And they say, you will die from this. And you say, oh, I better listen. As you think about this problem of sin that you have or had, whatever it was, how significant was it? Is, is that you were enslaved. You couldn't get away from it. But what is it to come to Christ? It becomes your old life is dead, is dead. And the life of sin is dead. And, and, and the purpose that as God used this, these words is that he was, he was trying to get across to us that the old life needs to be put to death. It needs to be done with. It is a permanent thing. It's not just a temporary thing. It's not just a little habit that we're working on. and we're kind of. But it's something that needs to be done with over. And I would even say this, that even as you read this, you should rejoice at the death of your own life. There should be a celebration, not of life, but of death. 
And it should be so exciting for you that that old life is done with, over permanent. And as you, as you think about that, uh, it's done away with. You're no longer slaves to sin. And uh, it, it's putting that behind. It's, it's the idea of death that no longer resurrects itself, that old life. Uh, let me ask you this. Uh, what kind of master was your sin? What kind of master? How, how, did, how did you feel? How did, how did your sin treat you? What were the uh, benefits of your sin? Yeah, I know, I, I know that every sin has a sense of like pleasure for a moment or a second or a thought or even as you project out doing it, you, you, you want to do it. But what kind of master was sin? What, what kind of life did you live as a sinner? Why was that life so good? And if it was so good, stay there. Stay there, enjoy have it. But if you'd be honest, if you'd be honest, if you'd see your life clearly, you would know that your life of sin was a terrible master. It was enslaving. It was crippling. It was ruining to the life that you desired to live and the, the happiness that you know you were created for. It just, you just couldn't find it. And so we rejoice because in verse 7, because it says this, because anyone who has died has been set free from sin. Set free. We know about slavery. We've seen the movies. We've read the history, right? And that idea of being emancipated, being set free, the the idea of being in a jail and the doors wide open. We, We get the picture, right? And that happens when we die to sin. When we experience and are identified with the death of Christ as he died, we die to sin. This is the way out. Which brings us uh, to my second point this morning, the permanent and irreversible resurrected life. The permanent and irreversible I want you to get this because it's very important. So uh, we, we get this picture that it's temporary, right? You know, it, it's a mind game. It's a temporary thing that we kind of go back and forth. We're, we're a Christian and then we're not a Christian when we sin. And we kind of go back and forth. The old life and the new life, but we're living it one or another every different day and everything like this. But know this, that as it describes it here, it's permanent and irreversible this new resurrected life. Verse eight, verse eight says this. Um, now, uh, and, and he's building, right? He's already talked about this, this uh, identification, this union that we now have. Now, if we have died with Christ, if we died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. We, now, uh, we know that Christ being raised from the dead will never die again. I'll stop there. What you see here is this, that uh, because, so Christ came in the flesh, he had a body uh, similar to ours, right? He had flesh, he, he bled, and he had human emotions, and, and, and he was like us in form, right? Like he had a body like ours. And what happened? 
His body died. His body died. Just as we have a body and he died. But what happened? As the time went on, the three days, right? The the resurrection, which we celebrate. Why do we celebrate it? Because Jesus died, but he rose again. Resurrection. He had death, but now he has life because of the resurrection. And, And... in our minds, we might say, well, uh, you know, there's death. Christ died, buried, and he rose again. You might want to ask the question real, real carefully, real quickly. Well, did he die again? Did he die again? It's interesting that in the miracles of the New Testament, um, all those people who were healed, what happened to them? They died, right? They died. But as you look at the miracle of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, it's, it's set apart, it's special. Because Christ died and he rose again, never again to die. Never again to die. And, and this is what's so exciting. What is it that we are talking about here? We are talking about what he did, what he accomplished, both in his death, burial, resurrection... But now he says, just like Jesus, because of our identification with his death, he rose again, never to die again. And just like that, we identify with his death that we might never die again. This is exciting. What is this? Well, as it says, he says, for for if we died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. For we know that since Christ was raised from the dead, he cannot die again. Death no longer has mastery over him. Verse 10, the death he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. And this is this permanent death, permanent life. The resurrection makes one eternal who has trusted in Christ. Permanent death, Connected with permanent life. So it brings us to my third point this morning. Verse 11. And I would say it this way. Be what you are. Be what you are. And I'll I'll explain that in a minute. But uh, it says this. In the same way, count yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. He's following the thought. He talks about the, you you know, how... uh, the death that we died, but also the resurrection that we have and this permanent resurrection. But now he says, in light of that, in the same way, as you follow after Christ, if you trusted in him as death, burial, and resurrection, in the same way, count yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. This word count it is to, it's the idea of to regard or to think about, think in a different way. Um, It's to think it through. And I I say think it through because you're doing something new. I'm going to come back to this idea. But you, you know when you, how many of you don't know what you're doing? A lot of times. So you YouTube it, right? Uh some of you are YouTube mechanics, you're YouTube uh, construction, YouTube landscaping, YouTube marriage. Don't do YouTube marriage. Uh, but um, uh, 
You're trying to figure it out. And, and I know that I, I've done this before where I've had, you know, a, a manual to fix the car and I really was uncomfortable with what I was doing. And so in one hand, you have the manual, you have the hood open, you're looking and you're going, I hope I don't mess this up. And you're reading again and you're being very careful. You're going really slow. Why? Why do you go slow when you're nervous about things? Because you don't know what you're doing. You don't know what you're doing. Uh, once you've done it a bunch of times, you go, oh, I don't, I don't have to think about this. I've done this a million times. And this is the danger that I want you to get. Especially those of you who have come to faith later in life. You have a long history of doing life without Jesus. You have a long history. And you might say, yeah, I had some grant, granted some, some success before Christ. You know, My life was a mess, but there was plenty of things that I knew how to do. And you come to know Christ and you go, I got it. Like, I've added Christ and I got, got, no, no. You should be very slow about the way you do things. Why? Because it's a new life. It's totally different. It's totally different. And so there should be this, this uh, I, I need to think it through. And what do I particularly do I need to think through is this. As you look at sin, there may be sins that you've done your whole life. There may be sins that your father did and your mother did. It, it was prolific in your home. It was something that, that was true in your home and you learned it. And it, it was the air that you breathed. And it maybe identified your family name. And, and as you come to faith, you go, well, this is just the way we do it. Slow down. As you look at sin and as you look at your past life, the old life, it's good to identify, hey, that was my old life. What's true of that old life? It's dead. It's over. What is the new life? Well, the new life is I identified with Christ's death, his death, burial, and his resurrection. What does the new life look like? This is, this is what we should ask ourselves all the time. As, as we're involved in activities, as we do family gatherings, as we go about our day, as we order our time, as we spend the money that we've been entrusted with, we, we should ask these questions. Does this, what I'm doing right now, does, is this part of the old life? Or is this what I've been saved for? We need to think it through. Is this, a, is this part of what Christ has saved me for? Or is this what Christ has saved me from? And if he's saved me from it, we consider it dead. We consider it dead. We mark it as dead. I want to say this too. Count it or regard it. Uh, it's this idea of think it, as you think about it, consider it dead. I want to tell you that some of, you, some of us struggle, and we, we like the idea of a testimony where someone says, and, and some of you have this testimony, where you say, I was addicted to this, I was involved in this, I was up to my eyeballs, I came to know Christ, and he released me from that, and I've never gone back to it again. Never, never had a problem with it again. And you say that, and... and and I want to say, praise God. But I also want to say, so you never sinned again? And you say, oh, no, I, I sinned plenty. Right? 
There's a process. Christians still sin. We still struggle with sin. But this idea is for us is that we now look at our sins, the things of the old life, and we say, it's dead. It's dead. I don't want it. It's a mark of the old life, and you have to think it. You have to count it because it's still going to be right there, especially if you, it's part of your family, right? Now, I want to tell you that, uh, I want to encourage you, if there are things in your home right now that are the mark of the old life for you, get rid of them. Why? Because you don't need them anymore. They're dead. How many of you have killed a, a bush or a tree? murderers, murderous people. So when you have a dead tree, what should you do? Should you talk to it? Should you pray for it? Should you even water it? Fertilize it? Trim it up? No, get rid of it. Why? Because it's dead. It's dead. It's done with. This is the picture We're to count or to regard the old life as dead. Why? Uh, In verse 11, count yourselves dead to sin, but now alive to God in Christ Jesus. In Christ Jesus. You now, uh, very simply, you have a relationship with God that is an alive relationship. It's a relationship, an eternal relationship, permanent, right? You have this alive relationship because of or in Christ Jesus. In Christ Jesus. Why do we rejoice about the gospel? Why do we get excited about Resurrection Sunday? Because that's what brought us into relationship with the Father. What Christ did on the cross, his death, burial, his resurrection. And what is all this? Verse 4. This is how we walk in the newness of life. We should be thinking about this. This day that God has given us. This is Uh, how do I walk in the newness of life? I want to give you three things to kind of conclude our time that I think will be helpful for you. The the first one is this. It's all about thinking differently. Thinking differently. And, And what are we supposed to think? Dead, alive. Dead, alive. As we look at our life, we should look at our schedule, our time, our activities, our thoughts, and we should say, Is that a dead thing that I put to death, that Christ is connected with Christ's death? Or is this now the newness of life? If it's the newness of life, run after it, walk in it, live it, go for it. If it's dead, get rid of it, very simply. Second thing, to remember that it's done and permanent, done and permanent. There isn't this uh, fluid relationship. Uh, it's not an open marriage, okay? I have this wife sometime and this wife another time, or I'm in relationship, I'm out of relationship. It's, it's not like that. It's done permanent. It's the idea, if I've come to know Christ, the old life is dead. It's done permanent. And also, that the new life is done permanent. I'm forever his. I'm forever in relationship with him. And so to think about that, um, what is done and permanent on the, uh, on the idea of death, but also what is done and permanent in my new relationship with Christ. Third thing, I just want to say this. This life is new. 
Figure it out. Figure it out. It is so different. It is so different. This life is new. I think it's interesting, that picture of grafting in. Um, and, you know, most trees that are used just for their root system and then they graft in the new thing, it's the new part that grows to fruit, right? And, and it's no longer about what the tree used to be. It's what the new part is. And, and I think that's a good picture for you to remember is that this is new, and it's not something that uh, I want to say comes naturally without thought. It comes with reprogramming. And I hate to use that term reprogramming because computers are stupid. Because they don't do what you want them to do, right? Why is this not working? User error. Um, but, but this idea is for us to figure it out, to slow down and say, what is wrong with my life right now? Where is that old life that I'm still trying to live in? That's, a, that's the problem, right? It's figuring out the new life. And, and to remember that this is so different. You, you don't want to actually do this, but it's almost like if I did it before, I should probably do the complete opposite now. If I loved this before, I should probably not love that anymore, make that dead, and love something totally different because it's this new life. I want to remind you that it's so different, so different, and that it's going to take for us to really consider our lives and say, what is different? Uh, The idea that Christ saved us from our sins, he saved us from that old life as well. And so now he's given us a new life, verse 4, a new life that we should walk in it, walk in it. This is my encouragement to you today. Please pray with me. God, thank you for this morning. I pray uh, as we've gone through this passage that you would help us to, to do this, that we would walk circumspectly in our, in our lives, that we would really think through the steps that we take and the new life that you've blessed us with. God, thank you for doing what we could not do. We could not do it. Uh, it's put to death that old life of sin and slavery and now be freed uh, to serve you and to love you and the new life that you have blessed us with. God, thank you for this. Help us to make strides in this by your grace. In Jesus' name, amen.